Hello, this is Annie from the Smithsonian American Art Museum's Loose Foundation Center. Since 2011, we've hosted Loose Unplugged, a free monthly concert series that celebrates the work of local musicians. Now we're partnering with Hometown Sounds to bring you tracks from DC artists we love. For more on Loose Unplugged, visit americanart.si.edu slash loose slash unplugged. There, you'll find a complete list of Loose Unplugged artists, videos of past performances, and artist interviews on our iLevel blog. We look forward to welcoming you back to the museum when it's safe to hold concerts again. Until then, stay well, stay in touch, and enjoy these tunes from our neighbors in the DMV. Hi, we're Broke Royals, and this is the Loose Listening Party presented by Hometown Sounds. Welcome back to Hometown Sounds. We show you how DC rocks. I'm Tony Pareko. 
I'm Paul Vodra, and this is the Loose Listening Party, our collaboration with the Loose Foundation Center in the Smithsonian American Art Museum. They are the host of the Loose Unplugged live music series that we love in D.C. And while it is on hiatus during the pandemic, we are bringing you these interviews with some amazing D.C. musicians that we would love to feature on that stage. And this episode is devoted to one of the classiest bands in D.C., Broke Royals. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, hey. Thank you. Thank you so much. So please, uh, to the royalty, introduce yourselves. The gang's all here. My name is Philip. I'm Colin. I'm Benji. I'm Tymir. And I'm Rebecca. This is quite a lot of people on this podcast and very excited about this. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for accommodating the entire royal family. We appreciate it. We should all talk at once, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we started out the episode with a brand new single from Brooke Royals called Slam Band. It just came out very recently. Tell us about this new single. What is the story of it? How did it come about? Also, I don't know what a slam band is. Nobody does, but it gets the people going. (laughs) Slam Band is the oldest song from a batch of new songs that are going to be an album that is coming out this summer. Uh, We're really excited to share a bunch of new music with the world this year. And this one is a really nice embodiment of us gelling as a band and recording live in a room. So this was recorded at Ivacoda in Washington, D.C. with Ben Green and Barty Strange as the producers. And basically, since we started sharing it around, we all really loved and all had uh, unique opinions about how we could like reform it and and reshape it and it sort of ushered in a new era for us as a band where we've spent the last well you know time is elastic right now (laughs) but we've spent many years um, on the road it's also a flat circle oh it's a flat circle and you know all those things and we've, we've been playing we've been out on the road for years in this arrangement minus rebecca who has just joined us as of last summer we played started playing shows with her then but Tamir, Ben, Colin, and I have been playing together for years, and the cohesiveness that we've kind of formed as a band was something that we really wanted to capture in a live room. And so as opposed to doing things very methodically, kind of one at a time, we we all got together, even uh, when COVID was, uh, made that a real challenge pre-boosters and stuff. So all wearing our masks. We were wearing our masks in the studio and all that. And, um, you know, to make a long story short, slam band is just the, the embodiment of all those things. It's, it's a a slam band coming together and lyrically it's sort of a, an updated version of paradise by the dashboard light by meatloaf. Uh, the original, (laughs) one of the original titles for it was paradise by the MacBook light, but it was too confusing to do that. So <laughs> we went with uh, Slam Band, which um, in in our narrative, a couple is the initial spark is dying down and they're trying to figure out, should we should we split up or should we just stay together because it feels easy? And uh, he's got his Slam Band and she's got her dance fans, presumably on TikTok or some other app of that kind <laughs> where they should perhaps be putting their attention. But we don't know what's going to happen to them. That's sort of the uh, the story unfolding in this song. Philip and Colin, I have a question uh, about the formation of Broke Royals, and I'm just going to read from your Spotify bio. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. 
In 2014, after both graduating from William & Mary, Colin Cross enlisted Philip Basnight to record a few demos for Cross to shop to potential clients of his recording studio. What do you mean, what is meant by to shop to potential clients? What was Phil doing for you? Yeah, so I had always played in bands, and I made a big move out to Virginia from Indiana and didn't know a lot of other musicians out here. And I wanted to get into the music recording area. And I'd been working in recording studios as a musician in bands for years. And so I'd built up a little studio and Philip mentioned, Hey, I'm working on EP. And I said, come, let's work on it together. Let's see what we can do with it. And it was, uh, my first real like solo recording project where I was heading the whole thing. And I realized pretty quickly that, he had great ideas and when we started pulling them apart and like playing around with song structure and adding drums and you know i had actually played guitar in a band before not well but i did do it but i was able to kind of bring that like background knowledge and like how you kind of layer guitar parts into a song and so we did our first ever song hum in this little studio that did not have any acoustic treatment did not have anything there was like a ac unit right next to it so every time that would kick on we just had to stop recording for like 15 minutes at a time and then we'll cut off and be like grab the headphones let's go and uh and so we recorded a whole ep that way and yeah it was a lot of fun and i will say tony did not make that up and I say that because first on my to-do list is update our Spotify bio, which has been sitting there for years. <laughs> but I just refreshed it for a press release that went out last week. And so I've got the text. I just haven't uh, inputted it. But uh, I promise you it will be changed by the time this comes out because um, that is top of top of mind. Exactly. <laughs> that is hilarious. Tony, I'm so glad you caught it. So this is a time capsule now is what you're saying. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is something that people are going to go back years from now and they're going to be like, that's what the Spotify bio was. <laughs> I'm going to put it on a on a hard drive and bury it and then we can geocache to navigate to it. Yeah. <laughs> what what is the secret origin story of the band name Broke Royals? The band name has evolved over time, but it had two meanings already when it started. Colin and I went to William Mary and Rekka did as well. And that is named after the King and Queen of England. And we were graduating. We were on our, at our last years there and we were broke and we were royals. We also recorded in a neighborhood called Kings Mill. And so there was another, yet another royal thing there. And then uh, now our Google alerts blow up weekly with uh, Harry and Megan news. So that is another thing that we share. <laughs> but, you know, I think over time, it's become a very, there's a lot of different things, at least for me, that resonate with that same name. Uh, I feel like we, we really enjoyed the, that it was an oxymoron, you know, that it's two words that, that don't go together. But over time, I, I think a lot, I am so fascinated with what technology and modern technology has done to us as people and as a society. And like the fact that this little thing in my phone could answer any question I could ever have in two seconds. And you can garage band on a phone. I know people that make music and release music that sounds good on a phone and that's all they have. That's amazing to me. And you could be technically broke, but with the access to like you, you there used to be such a divided information and that gap has closed in an interesting way in this one piece at least so you know there's obviously a lot going on but i do think that we're in this interesting period of 
where I think Brooke Royals means a lot of other things as well. And that, that's always resonated with me. Colin, thank you for letting us come to your TED Talk. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I tend to talk this way just kind of all the time. So oh, no, I'm digging it. I'm, sorry, and I'm, I'm not. It's not disparaging at all. It's I think you, you sound classy F. No, hey, I appreciate that. Uh, okay. So, uh, Benji, I was kind of peeping your, your Insta earlier. Oh, good. <laughs> Benji, you have a cat named Waffles. Yes! <laughs> yes! I do. <laughs> what was the last thing that Waffles knocked over? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's a close-to-home question. Um. Oh, geez. What was it today? Oh, the last big thing she knocked over. I'm a big houseplant person, so I have just dozens of them scattered around my house, and I have multiple cats. So you it's do. Just, you know it's a problem. And so just the other day, uh, the last impactful thing she knocked over was there's this soil medium called leca which is just like balls of clay which absorb water and she just broke a pot all over the floor and for the past three days i've been stepping on these little clay balls and just like basically like oh Malone style slipping on marbles all day yeah it's real bad (laughs) Uh, but what kinds of precautions do y'all take in your home life to prevent stuff from getting knocked over (laughs) oh i don't they run the house i don't there's nothing you can do there's nothing you can stop they're just they pick their places this is honestly this is a legitimate discussion i was having with someone is they were like how do i stop my cat from knocking over my house plants because they know i like house plants and i said you do not you have to learn where the cat wants to sit and you have to place your house plants structurally so that they will not interfere because the cat <laughs> is going to sit where it wants to sit it is going to go where it wants to go you just have to live your life around the cat i love them they're my babies they mean so much to me and they cause me so much pain <laughs> Uh, so the uh, series that you have been working on uh, songs sort of in public alone together. Uh, tell us about this. What was your favorite song that come out of that process and why? And then what are you doing with those songs? Well, so that that project was super cool. We did that early on in pandemic. We wrote 20, 22 songs publicly. We did a song a week over two seasons. We took a short gap and then did it. Uh, the second half. So uh, one of the, two of them, three of them, three of them are actually out publicly as well. So we did officially, like we we recorded them kind of telephone style where Phil would send me a song idea. I'd add drums to it. I'd send it on to Benji. He'd add guitars to it. He'd uh, send it on to Tamir. He'd add bass and whatever else he wanted, sometimes guitars. And then we'd send it on to Nate, our live sound guy, who at the time wasn't doing much live sound because of COVID. And so he would mix it for us and and then we'd get on a call and we'd all listen to it for the first time together because we'd only ever heard the part that we'd up to the point that we'd added. And so Tamir had a decent idea of what it would sound like, but he still got to hear it all mixed. 
And that was such a cool experience because one, I think it pushed us out of our comfort zone. I think it's one of the biggest reasons that we're able to do this album. We started having slide guitar on some tracks because we're like, hey, we'll just, we don't know what Benji's going to add. He can do whatever he wants and uh, played around with a lot more things. And and also I couldn't record drums. So I got really comfortable with digital drum programming, um, which has just helped me in the way I think about drums and recording and all that stuff. And so from that, we actually ended up releasing uh, You Plus Me equals World War Three. Just you and me uh, in World War Which III. was a really fun track. Yeah, you and me. Oh my gosh, I can't even remember our own song names. <laughs> uh, and Gold Brick Champion, which we collaborated with Bartiz Strange on. And what was the third one? Hard Year. Hard Year, which, and actually maybe that's one of my favorites. And then maybe one is on the upcoming record and might be the next single to come out. We'll see. So you might hear more from that soon. <laughs> Uh, Paul, I'm going to ask one more question before our next song, and I'm going to invite the chaos here, okay? All right. Oh. Um, Broke Royals, what's the difference between a mood and a vibe? Oh. A mood is what is what exists within you, and a vibe is what exists within a scenario. So you can walk into a bad vibe, but you exist with a bad mood, you know? Whoa, that's a good answer. <laughs> I'm just going to co-sign that. Yeah, yeah. So no chaos. I said it right the first time. <laughs> yeah. Ben, you, thank you for the TED Talk. Yep, yep. Ben is extremely uh, online, in case uh, anybody was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> I spent a lot of time online. <laughs> oh, man. Here's another single from Broke Royals. This one's called Postcard.
That song was called Postcard. It is a 2021 single by Broke Royals. If you are into the streaming, then you can go to your streaming service of choice and stream it. But if you are the type that buys music, then you can head over to Bandcamp and you can buy that single. You worked on this single with Barty Strange, and we were honored to have him uh, join us on this podcast last summer. And it was a fantastic interview, and he is a fantastic musician. Can you tell us about working with him as a producer and how you as artists work with producers? Yeah, uh, Bartiz has been, uh, it's just been a dream to work with him. He is someone that I connected with uh, a few years ago online and we were just friendly and talked about music stuff. And then um, he, he was like, Oh, by the way, I've got some music coming out and it was the best music ever. And it was, uh, he's had just a terrific <laughs> couple of years. Uh, so it was just kind of a um, really serendipitous that we, we had kind of already linked up. And then um, I told him, Hey, we've got these songs and they're like pretty fleshed out, but they could use just a little bit more. Um, I think they could use like a guiding hand and, um, I enjoy the Broken Record podcast that Rick Rubin hosts. And so I said, I don't know if you you know know anything about what Rick Rubin does, but he is pretty vibes oriented to bring that word back and and doesn't like even worry too much about like mic placements or anything like that. And um, that was the initial conceit was we were we knew we were going to go to Ivacota because we've worked with Ben Green in the past, who runs the Ivacota studio in um, Southeast TC. Wonderful engineer and producer. Yeah, Ben Green is the best. Unbelievable. Um, I love Ben. And uh, we did, I got a lot of one-on-one time with him because I did all the vocals there last time um, that we were doing our last album, St. Luxury. And so we knew that we wanted to go back and work with Ben again. And uh, we'd already booked the studio time, but I said, I asked Ben, would you mind if Bartiz came? He'd put out LP1, but it was, you know, in the stage of COVID where absolutely no touring was happening. And Ben Green was like, yeah, of course, Uh, he, he seems cool. And this seems like a fun idea. And um, so Bartiz listened to the music that we had ready. We, we do pretty fully fleshed out demos before we go into the studio so that we can go in with purpose. And he had really thoughtful ideas. And we had this Zoom call where he like broke everything down for us. And, you know, Ben Green had done this with us in the moment, but we'd never thought to do the pre-production stage in this way. And it was just awesome to get his, his ideas about how to rearrange things um you know he didn't push back he he was very kind he was like you know i don't really do guitar solos but you guys seem to like it so like we still had a few guitar solos that made it through he wasn't (laughs) like some phil Spector situation by like any stretch he was so cool and like hands off and he was he was in the mix but he wanted it to be our project is a better way to say it and one thing that you can hear in postcard for example is at the end we just wanted to up the energy a little bit. We'd already recorded it as a full band. And um, Tymir and Colin and I were at Bartiz's house where he has a home studio. And he has all these very cool synthesizers. And he was like, oh, what if we just like arpeggiate this synthesizer right here? And it's just like, the drums are going really crazy and everything's very frenetic on purpose. It's meant to have like a lot of energy build. And he, he just did this thing that was like very, it was maybe a little bit more fearless than we would have been on our previous albums. Uh, he just like threw this arpeggiated synth in there, even though it was kind of adding to the chaos. And, uh, and then when you, you know, let the dust settle, those things really, really shine on the album. There's a synthesizer also on Slam Band that he, you know, recommended on our closing track on our album, Local Support. He said, you need to take the instruments out and just do acapella. And, and we were like, no, that's crazy. And then Colin 
mixed up the arrangement and we were like, nope, he's right. Uh, so <laughs> that was um, sort of, yeah, that was sort of the, the story of working with him over and over again was uh, he would just toss these things out that would seem no, wild. That work. And we were like, no, no, he's right. That's great. Yeah. That's the best thing on the record. Um, so yeah, it was just a thrill and he's um, been rocketed off to incredible success this year. So we just feel so grateful that he had a little bit of a lull in his schedule to uh, to come into the studio with us and work with us. And and now he's just a pal of all of ours. So that's cool, too. Philip, continuing with discussion of how you connected with Bartiz Strange, he, he shared the following uh, on the Loose Listening podcast episode last July. Tell us about Brooke Royals, how you got connected with them and how the experience was working with them. Phil, Phil's hella persistent and just hit me up. Wow. <laughs> and I love him. <laughs> this is, have you ever, do you remember on Fresh Air when Adam Driver walked out of the I remember interview? listening to that. That's, I'm like, oh no, he, he said that, oh no. <laughs> Philip, tell us about the most memorable postcard you've ever received. My postcard story, which is the story in this song, I was talking to a girl. Maybe we were dating. Um, we've never gotten a final ruling on that. They weren't dating, just to confirm for everyone. <laughs> and she sent me a postcard that said, <laughs> that said, I, I wish you were here and you will be next time. Greetings from France. And because of internet technology, by the time that postcard arrived to me, we had broken up or she said she didn't want to talk to me anymore. So about a week or two later, I received a postcard that said, I wish you were here. But because of the date, I knew that it was it was yesterday's news. Yeah, And that's what the song is about. The album art for postcard is a photo of Philip appearing next to a postcard rack filled with great Broke Royals postcards you've had made. We do. We, we've had this cool revelation that we've done a lot of graphic design and Rebecca is an incredibly talented graphic designer who's who's worked on our art for even longer than she's been in the band. We've tried uh, in the last few years to like really make the things that are in our photos. And uh, yeah, so we, we realized that having the real deal is can be a little bit more impactful. And we have a bunch of Broke Royals postcards, which will be given out at shows some would say we have too many postcards. Some would say we have too many. <laughs> <laughs> when Philip shares a song idea name with you, Rebecca, just keep in mind, like, would I be willing to have 300 of these at my house? Whatever the name of the song is. Yeah. Just think, could I? <laughs> well, the joke is on him because I used to have a greeting card business and we also have that entire business under the bed too. So. <laughs> we are set. <laughs> So you had a greeting card business. Did you write the greeting cards like happy birthday, bucko? I did. That's perfect. No notes on that title. <laughs> um, yeah, it was actually um, before they got pretty popular. It was a, a pun inspired greeting card business. So uh, your thanks to brunches, your, your one in a melon. You did a great job yeah. raising me. Turn up. Let's turn up for your birthday on flea. That's a good one. And then if you Google any of these, you're like, oh, there's 500 versions of each one. <laughs> but it's fun. This is another song from Brooke Royals called Bad Chemicals.
chemicals And I don't know how to face them They say it's so It's easy to erase them They say I go under That song was called Bad Chemicals from Brooke Royals from their 2019 album, Saint Luxury. Many of your songs have characters and a narrative. Is storytelling a goal of your work or is it something that just happens in the songwriting process? This is Philip. I'm the uh, primary lyricist for the band. And, you know, there's a bit of a pendulum swing whenever you write, especially a full album project. Um, and on the first one, we we got into a lot of really personal topics and and I just felt like if I've done that and you know we were proud of and we're happy with that that first album what's another area where we could go and so like everybody's always tired of me talking about him but 
Bruce Springsteen. I've been reminded with the Get Back documentary that the Beatles were like such good storytellers, like really like evocative stories in those songs. And so I thought, okay, if I've kind of expressed myself from a first person perspective on our first album, I want to I want to try to tell great stories. And so I wanted to find stories that meant a lot to me and things that were deeply important in my own life, but then also sort of meta narratives um, that you could maybe extrapolate to your own life and latch on to. And for Bad Chemicals, it's the idea that we're going to have biotech as a very real option in the near future, AI and you know the healthcare system are going to converge. They have converged already. It's possible that we could get biochips in our brains. And um, one thing that I had heard of that really kind of seemed like a fully formed story to me was the idea that you could have an AI chip implanted in your brain to treat PTSD if you were a soldier coming back from war or you know anyone that was suffering from that. But it just sort of laid out this whole narrative for me Um, And again, it's something that we're all going to contend with in one way or another in the next 50 years, 100 years. But um, this this really laid itself all out. And uh, that was an instance where the storytelling was, I think if you just heard the song, you might think one thing. But then if you uh, watch the music video, you'll get a a very different, clearer impression of uh, what's going on. Um, or, or sort of what, what we had in mind. But that's a, that's the beauty of music too, right? Like you tell a story and, and everyone's going to interpret it a different way. Um, and so that's something that we wanted to leave open to interpretation. Uh, we got a little bit more direct on St. Luxury, the title track. That was a character that we had sort of joked about. And it was a runaway angel who um, was sort of running away from people who thought they had all the answers. There were certain people in the American uh, political world and still are who say that they have all the answers. And we thought that someone who was in search of good questions would be a more more fertile ground to explore there than a person who said, I have all the answers. So um, yeah, we've got this cast of characters and then that's the, the beauty of it is that they all just kind of exist and you can bring them into other songs. So St. Luxury shows up in like three other songs and you know, you never know, maybe she'll show up again. A band that I love is Spoon and they bring back Jonathan Fisk yes! like every th- third album, you know? <laughs> so like the national has Davey, Spoon has Jonathan Fisk. There are these characters that they show their heads at places you would uh, not expect. So, uh, Also, I want to congratulate you, Philip, you shared a handful of days ago, that Bad Chemicals hit 100,000 streams on Spotify. And I uh, just want to say congrats to, to, to all of you. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, it's like the little engine that could. We were, we were nervous when we put that <laughs> one out. Like, is this going to make any sense to anyone? Does anyone like this? And then like the, the musical influences were like Guns N' Roses and Avicii and EDM. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow it all came together. And obviously, you just heard the song and Benji rips a very tasty solo at the end there. And there's just all these weird things happening. And so it's been uh, nice to see it continue to get plays over the years. Philip, on March 24th, you tweeted, Now that I'm the old dude at the skate park, I can say for sure I know you're laughing at my helmet and pads. <laughs> <laughs> Philip, you skateboard. <laughs> I do. I skateboard. I That was my first foray back into skateboarding two years ago or 18 months ago. I broke my wrist skateboarding, which mm. was terrible. It was such a bummer because A, I'm old and B, it was so annoying to have a, a cast. And uh, as a guitarist, even though like, you know, 
I remember Bono once said like, yeah, the band doesn't care if I can't play guitar. That's kind of the vibe here too. But like, it's important to me to be able to play guitar. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I do play in the band, but yeah, I, I skate. And I, this was my first return to the park with uh, helmet and pads. And uh, I know I look goofy, but um, I don't care. It was still fun. Philip, what's the raddest trick you can do? Um, I can do a triple heel flip. What is that? What is that? Explain. You for can us. what? Nope. No way. No, you cannot. Yeah. Prove that he can't Ain't on no this way. podcast. Do it now. <laughs> Whoa. Literally do it now. I Phil bet you. just did a kickflip. He just. Whoa. <laughs> you're, you're doing, doing it. You're doing it. <laughs> it's, when, it's when the board spins um, a certain direction three times. So it does like a. It's it spins it revolves around three times and then you go back. Wow! I've been skateboarding since I was young. That was that's like my I don't know if guilty pleasures right, but it's not. I, no, I don't do it in, professionally in any capacity at all. So it's just like my my stress reliever, my fun outlet, true hobby. Yeah, my think, hobby. Yeah. Think, yeah, I was gonna say I think they call those. <laughs> yeah, I've never had one before besides this. <laughs> uh, Philip, have you ever skated in a half pipe? Yeah, of course. I had a half pipe in my backyard for uh, years. Really? Yeah. Wow, uh, Philip, have you ever have you ever skateboarded in an empty pool? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the <laughs> what? People in the DC area will know that there was the largest indoor skate park in the country, maybe the world, was like in Potomac Mills for many years. Uh, so I think people in our area also got people my age in our area had a nice entry point into skating and skate parks and stuff. So. Uh, tell us about interacting with other folks at the skate park. Is it like going to the gym and you avoid eye contact? Like, what's the what's the vibe? Yeah, a little bit. And then when I ate shit, they came over and they asked me if I was all right. And I was like, yeah, I'm all right. I'm just old. Hope, yeah. <laughs> and uh, what, tell, tell us about interacting with kids, with the youths. Do they ever give you rad tips? Like, how do you, what's it like hanging out with an 11-year-old who can shred? No, I mean, they're, they're, yeah, you said it well. They, they can tread. They're so good. I mean, there's clearly people at the skate park who just live there and they just, they're, they're incredible. And so I just watch them in awe. And then the ones who aren't as good, I, I go to the part of the skate park where they are. And so we do our uh, <laughs> amateur stuff together. <laughs> but there's some rad cats out there. Rad cats. Okay, turning to Time Mirror. Time Mirror, 99 weeks ago on Instagram, you posted a couple of videos. <laughs> Of you doing some very impressive tricks with a on a fingerboard, which is a miniature skateboard. As in, want to hear about you and fingerboards? Is that a hobby? Oh, buddy, <laughs> I can. How much time we got? Hold yeah, on, yeah, clear like, out the next hour. <laughs> uh, so when I was in middle school, I'm pretty sure around that time. I don't even know how I learned about it, but I, I started watching like. I started watching all these like fingerboard channels and there was this one guy in particular, this is one guy in particular named Gary Chin who lived in like New York or something who, for whatever reason, he was my favorite. Um, the best, the best thing recently is that one of my coworkers at my new job was a, was a sponsored fingerboarder for a while. So I walk in one day. I don't even think I was working, but I walk in and I hear the sound. I fucking know the sound. <laughs> I walk in and I hear it. I like turn my head like a dog and I'm like, yo. And yeah, so 
first person I bonded over fingerboarding with in like since like middle or high school until now. And actually, so to go back to the videos, if I'm remembering that right, that was uh. That was probably at the start of the pandemic. So that that particular like week or whatever it was, I learned that my camera on my phone can do like slow-mo whatever and can have like this silly ass stock music. And so I was like, yo. It was good stock music. I had a good laugh there. That's the that's the backstory behind that. Oh, that makes that made me so happy. Now we just learned about sponsored fingerboarders. Are there Skate parks for fingerboards? Half pipes for fingerboards? Yes. 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 Like every, everything. Everything. Like there are half pipes, there are pools, there are rails. Like, oh my God, it's crazy. This stuff costs money too. <laughs> like, there's one fool named Mike Schneider who's like just a guy from like Massachusetts who has built like his whole empire, <laughs> like, like in the, in the world of American fingerboarding. And he has this like insane park in like a warehouse or something. I think, I mean, it can't be that big, right? I'm, I'm trying to think of, yeah, but like a tiny warehouse. <laughs> it's a very small, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a, a center for ants. Yes. That's what it is. <laughs> Like yeah, these like these big meetups happen. These big rendezvous happen, and the like it's like going to like any convention or whatever. Like people, like kids will be lined up, waiting to try out like some new boards, waiting to try out some new like some new uh, some new parks or whatever. It's awesome. I love that shit. <laughs> yeah, dude, I feel like a child right now. But awesome. <laughs> How many hours a week do you spend fingerboarding? These days, not that much, uh, unfortunately. Um, that that could very well change because said coworker that I brought up um, has like a bunch of extra decks that he's not using. He might give me one, so there might be yo broke Royals contact might, might be on one that like some point this year. It might be on one. A broke Royals fingerboard. That's the obvious. Like that's that's what I'm thinking about. <laughs> that's. That is a really, That's a good, really idea. good idea. That's the next thing with the postcards. You know how we had the, we had the postcards. Now we got to get a bunch of branded uh, fingerboards, fingerboards and we put them out like an actual drop. We do the decks. We make a big thing. We get some pros out. Sick. This is so good. <laughs> I think we should move on to another song. Here's a track selected by Brooke Royals. This is a new single from Spring Silver.
described in the Bandcamp bio as queer metal and they slash them core. That was Spring Silver with a song called Little Prince from the new album, I Could Get Used to This. Brooke Royals, why have you brought Spring Silver to us? Amazing, amazing band blowing up. Uh, what what does Spring Silver mean to you? What can you tell us about Spring Silver? Well, Spring Silver means uh, everything to us. Tamir and I went to see Spring Silver at Pie Shop for their release show. And it was an amazing evening. And they're so great. And what's not to love? That song just goes from good to great. It's awesome. Real fun. Like Historically, Spring Silver has been more on the psychedelic you know, pushing Andy inside. And this is a little more condensed and garage rocky. And it's cool to see this another side to Spring Silver. No, I love it. They closed with Say It Ain't So by Weezer. And I hadn't thought, obviously, Say It Ain't So is on the blue album. But I hadn't thought of the Pinkerton connection with this new record until they did that. And then I thought, that's oh, that does have sort of a Pinkerton thing. That's not what I would. It, I was thinking that today. Yeah. So I just thought that was kind of a a neat (laughs) revelation at their show. Uh, This is a question for Rebecca. Rebecca, you're a a newer ad to the Broke Royals fold. Tell us about your input. Like what's happening when you're with the band? What are the things that you kind of bring up, talk about? And folks, what's it like having a a new, you know, a fresh perspective of someone who you haven't, you know, worked with in a band context for years? Yeah, that's a great question. It's been a very fun entry into the band. I played in another band before joining Broke Royals. And we each kind of came to that group with our own kind of music writing and taste of music. And we were also kind of like figuring out what sound we wanted to be. And so this is obviously a very different experience. And so I already I've learned so much from from everyone here. And I feel like I've kind of been in my observation phase as like I've been kind of onboarded, so to speak. Um, and we've started playing some live shows together and we're going to start having some more writing workshops and, you know, contributing more to future music. So I'm really every part of that, like even just like little bells and whistles and the live performances have been really fun to add or kind of like how we interpret the recorded stuff for the live shows. And then also really looking forward to kind of like this next project of you know, working on even more music together. But it's a, everybody comes in, like we've talked about with that different um, perspective. And I too, like coming in with my own music taste, my own um, music background. So it's it's fun to, to learn and to add more dudes than my last band, <laughs> <laughs> which was all women. <laughs> what, what was your last band's name, Rebecca? I just want to get it on the record. Oh, it was uh, Not Your Groupies. So good. If you haven't heard their stuff, they're so good. So we threw Rebecca into the deep end, as it as it were. We I have so much confidence in Rebecca. I've known her for years. She's just incredibly talented. Uh, side note: she is married to Philip. What? And yeah. <laughs> oh my god, what? He's just learning of this on the pod. Uh, and you know, we worked on this album kind of the four of us with our uh, good buddy engineer live sound mixer Nate who actually tracked a lot of the guitars on it but we at the time hadn't thought of starting like bringing Rebecca into Broke Royals and when it came time to 
figure out, you know, we did all this during the pandemic. We knew we weren't performing. So we thought, well, we'll have time to figure out how we're going to bring all these elements into the live sphere. And just one day I had this moment of, oh my gosh, Rebecca's a perfect fit for this. She's already been singing. She's been, she actually sang on the background and like a harm and a duet with Philip on insane luxury as well. And then when we started working on this album, she was already doing some background vocals. So singing wise, she's been singing with us for a long time, just kind of in the studio. Uh, so she came in first thing we ever did with her was 16 shows back to back in four days. We, we get a lovely little, we have a lovely little residency down in Williamsburg, Virginia at Bush gardens. And they like to have us do four shows a day for four days. And it's a blast. And it was the best way we went from just a few practices to her basically having gone through a short tour worth of performing in four days. And it was awesome. And uh, as Benji has mentioned many times before, and I think I had second, the outfits also just really up, up, up the moment she joined the band, the moment she stepped on the stage with us. Yes, it's been a, uh, a personal passion project of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca's also done, she's been our design lead since St. Luxury. So you'll also notice a, quite a nice glow up between LP1 and St. Luxury. <laughs> and that was entirely thanks to Rebecca and her mood boards and her design iterations and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Philip, on March 2nd, you tweeted about to get the band camp battle pass and that this was a joke by Benji. <laughs> Benji, what is the band camp battle pass? Okay, so <laughs> first of all, this feels like a this feels like a deposition. Yeah. First of all, what <laughs> like, a fun so, deposition <laughs> it, it is. But um, so Bandcamp has recently been purchased by Epic Games. Uh, Epic Games is the oh, owner, it's a Fortnite. Joke, it's a Fortnite right? joke. So the oh. So let's all do a dance. So, so yeah, exactly. So I, so as as everyone was on that day, I was just taking my time to voice my you know thoughts on the changing landscape of music slash massively multiplayer online battle royale type video games, and uh, yeah, I I have unashamedly I have purchased the Fortnite Battle Pass, um, and you know what? I didn't get any better. But it was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's about the friends you made along the way. I, I'll, I'll take this moment to just uh, be a little bit sincere with Bandcamp. I know a lot of people are like, ob and obviously I am concerned about like what that's going to mean for um, music consumption. Because, you know, the Bandcamp kind of held its ground as sort of its own independent thing for a while. And then being bought out by a huge money-making corporation it's, it's weird that they got bought by someone something so enormous i would have thought that at least if it, it was going to be bought by like a media empire it would have been like, like a, a vox or so, something like yeah exactly like, a, like something like that so epic games purchasing it it's a very weird thing um and i'm just i'm just using this time to voice that as independent artists all around, you know, if anyone is listening at Bandcamp, uh, as John Bandcamp, I'm speaking to you directly. <laughs> um, if there's anything that anyone could say, it is to use this opportunity exclusively to be able to push yourself in better directions because, you know, this is this is a time and place where, you know, you are you mean a lot to a lot of artists and a lot of artists really depend on you and rely on you to continue to do the right thing. And so that's that's just my little piece on that. So 
According to Bandcamp, your debut single, About Time, came out in May of 2014, nearly eight years ago. If you could travel back in time and impart some wisdom on your 2014 self about making music and being in a band, what would it be? You're not going to get famous. Just don't worry about it. Just have fun. <laughs> Just have fun. Really. It's so... Okay. If you don't mind, I'm going to give a bit of a long answer. Like when podcasts kind of like first got going, you'd have this effect where like Mark Maron would be talking to Jonah Hill and then Will Ferrell. I mean, they're, these are all comedians, but, and then like one after another, you would hear, we got like where we are because of this. And for all of those, there are a hundred thousand things that didn't happen, but that doesn't mean the work isn't good. And that doesn't mean it's not valuable. And it doesn't mean it's not a worthwhile pursuit. And so it was just an interesting time where I think there was a lot in the culture of like, that was like a unique situation where for the first time you were hearing all these really long form conversations about like, if you do this and you do this, it's going to work out. And like the expectation, I would try to reset the expectation for myself that like, it's about good work. And now and, and to our own credit, I will say the goal was not, okay, we're going to get famous on the next one. It was, who cares about that? What we're going to do this time is we're going to do something that was better than the last thing that we did. And to this day, that's all we've really cared about is like, what's something that will be more exciting to us now than the last thing was? What will we feel like we've hit another milestone for ourselves? Um, so, you know, to kind of unhitch that expectation would be my my greatest advice is like, just cut yourself some slack. And also, like, if that's what you want, you're never going to be happy. So just just, you know. Enjoy the ride. I got to echo Philip on all that. I mean, it, you're not going to get famous. I So there's something that sticks with me. I think about it all the time. I don't know where I heard it originally, but comparison is a thief of joy. And that is just so true. The more you look up, the more unhappy you'll be. And when I recognize that and recognize that if you just focus on perspective and how much you've grown, which is kind of what Phil's ending point, how much, how can I continue to grow? That's great. And the other side, as opposed to looking up and being bummed that you're not up there with the pros and with the people having this meteoric success, look around you and see who's in my community that I can help support and how can I just be a better member in my scene and my community. And I think we'd, we always had that in our blood as well. Like we were so tied to DC and to the community and uh, branched larger into the DMV area over the years, but that's been so integral and it's, it's the happiest part of making music. And the, the less time you spend alone in a bubble doing it, the more time you share that with other people, the more fun it is. So whether that's playing shows, whether it's just collaborating on projects, whatever it is, that's been the number one thing that's helped me kind of just, understand what it means to make music in a different way. And that is almost taking us to the end of this episode of the Loose Listening Party. We want to thank once again the fine folks at the Loose Foundation Center in the Smithsonian American Art Museum. They have a real nice space in that museum, and you can totally go to that space now, check out the amazing art, and soon, hopefully, no announcement, but soon, fingers crossed, we can have some more live music in that amazing space. Fingerboards crossed. Yes, that's perfect. And of course, we want to thank the fine Broke Royals for joining us on this podcast. Thank you so much for chatting with us. It was so much fun. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. We are going to go out on another DC band that Broke Royals have selected for us. Uh, this is Crystal Casino Band with uh, one of their singles that came out in 2022 called 20-something Socialist. What can you tell us about Crystal Casino Band? 
Crystal Casino Band is crushing it right now. And we have been on each other's radars for many, many moons. They used to have a different name. Uh, I've seen them play and they're fun and they, they're working with Color Palette. Jay, Jay from Color Palette. Yes. The best. And he's got such a great sound. And when we started in DC, the cooler bands did not sound like this. And I think it's so cool that the cool bands sound like this now. <laughs> they write a hell of a hook. So keep your eyes out for for these folks because they're, they're blowing it up. I think this song is a perfectly realized version of their sound to me. It's like so gritty yet polished. So I'm really excited to share it. They were also winners of the 2021 Whammy's Best Rock Album. Hey, and to that I say, Mazel tov. <laughs> That is our uh, chief lyricist, uh, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> we put that guy in charge of the words. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening, and thank you, Tony. And thank you, Paul. And And we'll we'll see you all all next time. Nailed it. (laughs)